Man, from the local news to Sports Center, the New Jersey Devils have been everywhere recently, and we've only played one game. So I know it's been a couple days since our first game of the year, but I still have a lot to digest. I still have a lot to say. I have a lot to talk about. So I'm going to need some help. So I'm bringing in Jersey Joe, and we're going to have a full-blown Devils discussion from our initial reactions to the game to our overall thoughts on the New Jersey Devils this season. So buckle up. It's going to be a jam-packed episode. No, seriously, it's going to be jam-packed. It's gonna. It's probably going to be one of the longest episodes I have ever done over here at Locked On. Seriously, buckle up. You're Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. Alrighty now, what is up New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer and also Devils writer for the Hockey Riders, Trey Matthews. And it's currently 10.40 p.m. Eastern Time, October 17, 2021 at the time of recording. And guys, I completely apologize for not posting an episode on Saturday. However, the reason I didn't post an episode on Saturday was because I was doing something special with another New Jersey Devils podcaster. You may have heard of him. He goes by the name of Jersey Joe, and we basically had a full-length discussion about the New Jersey Devils. We gave our reactions about their first win against the Blackhawks. So once again, I do apologize for not posting a reaction episode immediately after the game. But like I said, I was just saving up something special because there's just so much to talk about this New Jersey Devils team. Like, that game was intense. Like, uh, I I had to go to um, a restaurant with my brother and my father as well. But I was able to convince them to put on the uh, Devils game on the uh, television because it was playing on NHL Network. And I saw Jack Hughes' goal, and that was filthy. And uh, Jack Hughes is already asserting himself as to why, you know, he's going to put up 70 to 75 points this season. Remember, that was a little bit of a hot take that I made, but it's not completely unrealistic. And also, I'm hearing reports, we'll talk about this in a later episode, that Jack Hughes is already getting um, nods to possibly join Team USA, or they're at least considering him. Remember, when I did my Olympic episode, like, I believe, like, a month or two ago, I said there's no way someone from the United States will be represented by the New Jersey Devils. I said their best bet is maybe Canada, Switzerland, because, you know, for Canada, you could get Dougie Hamilton. For Switzerland, you're obviously going to get Nico Heizer. So I was just saying it's possibly a long shot that uh, no one uh, that is American, so someone like Jack Hughes or Miles Wood would be representing uh, Team USA in this upcoming Winter Olympics. But since Jack Hughes is already making a name for himself, since he uh, had two goals in the last game and basically was just setting the tempo, got off to a slow start, but since he was setting the tempo and he scored the game-winning goal in OT and gave the New Jersey Devils their first win of the year, then you know you you got to start giving him some sort of consideration because maybe you can't overlook someone like uh, Jack Hughes. And also, maybe Igor Sharangovich could represent Team Belarus in the Olympics. So, this week is going to be six episodes. Yes, you heard me correctly, six episodes, because last week I only posted four. So, I'm making up uh, one episode on Monday, because usually I don't post an episode on Monday. But, like I told you guys, just saving something special for you guys. And also, we're going to be taking on the Seattle Kraken tomorrow. So, I'm going to be talking to Erica Ayala, who's the host of Locked on Kraken. She's uh, been on this show before. And we're basically going to just preview that game as as well, currently at the time of this recording, the Kraken have played three games and they are one, one, and one. The Devils have only played one game. It seems like we're like far behind in the NHL in terms of games played because I'm seeing like the Blackhawks getting off to a very slow start. They are zero, two, and one, and they've already played three games. The Stars have played three games, and uh, yeah, I just feel as though the New Jersey Devils are a little behind in that regard. So uh, I-, I think another team that's only played a single game so far are the Philadelphia Flyers in the Metropolitan Division because. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Yep, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Penguins, Hurricanes, Blue Jackets, Capitals, Rangers, and Islanders, they've all played at least two games. So I feel as though the New Jersey Devils were a little behind, but it shouldn't bother us too much. But I'm liking what I'm seeing so far from the New Jersey Devils. And who knows? Um, I I heard reports that Damon Severson and Ty Smith were back at practice. So hopefully they'll be able to dress for uh, the game against the Seattle Kraken because I would love to see what they could do because we saw what Dougie Hamilton and Ryan Graves were able to do in terms of just a plus 
plus minus and overall making the players around them better. But like I said, I'm going to say that with my discussion with Jersey Joe. So I'm really looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to you guys hearing it. But first, I have to give you guys the first live read this morning and it comes from Built Bar. So did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors or something for everyone? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors while well, you're missing out, they have coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange cookies and cream, German chocolate. You know what my favorite flavor is? Well, uh, if you haven't tried all the flavors, you get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. So the two flavors that I'm currently trying are coconut and double chocolate. So not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bars ever, but they're super healthy as well. Check out these stats. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. So order today and get that grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar was also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team, and they're also the official sponsor for Corey LaJoy, driver of the number 7 Spire Motorsports Built Bar car in NASCAR. So the offer is go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKS15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And now the second library this morning comes from our good friends at Bet Online. So we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. By the way, I am not doing too well in fantasy. I'm about to drop uh, my second week in a row. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface even more odds props and contests bet online continues to be the number one source for everything football head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit don't forget to use promo code locked on to receive your bonus from football basketball boxing right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts please gamble responsibly be sure to also visit our friends at locked on bets for all your betting needs there as well so Let's uh, start this open discussion with Jersey Joe as we recap the Blackhawks and Devils game. We recorded this immediately after the Devils came out victorious in that OT win. And we're also just going to give our overall opinions on the New Jersey Devils this season from young guys to veteran players who need to step up. Uh, He's also going to do something that I normally do on this show, which is give a letter grade. Uh, for this game and we're just basically going to feed off each other you might agree uh, with him on some stances you might agree with me on some stances but like I said I love having discussions all right so I've talked long enough let's bring in Jersey Joe and have this full-length devil's discussion hope you guys enjoy it is and Trey Matthews and this is the New Jersey Devils uh, post-game reaction we have a lot to talk about in this game because it wasn't the cleanest game but we got it done well, like Larry the Cable guy once said, you got to get her done. And we got her done. So Jack Hughes scoring two goals. Dougie Hamilton getting his first career goal with the New Jersey Devils organization within the first, what, 17 seconds. Andreas Janssen uh, shutting up some haters on Twitter. Um, and, and Jonathan Berngay pretty much held his own, like, like I said. So I made predictions in my show. I said um, the New Jersey Devils would win the game 2-1. to one. Uh, They didn't. But, you know, they still won by a goal, so I guess that's half right. Yeah. Uh, I, said it, I said it wouldn't be the cleanest game. It, it wasn't. It, I said we would win 2-1, to one, but it would be very sloppy. And I also said there would be no OT or shootout or nothing like that. <laughs> it went into OT. So there's another prediction I got wrong. I said maybe – I said, like, similar to the Seth Jones situation, I said, like, um, you know, uh, maybe Dougie Hamilton will need some time to get accustomed to the du- – to the devil's uh, system and organization. And he, he, it took him like 15 seconds to make an impact along with Ryan Graves. And that's another thing I want to talk about Ryan Graves and Dougie Hamilton. At one point, the New Jersey devils were leading three to one and both of their plus minuses were plus three. So <clears throat> it, it goes to show you that's our top defensive unit. Isn't it Joe? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, I have a phrase for those big guys on defense and it's called the Sasquatch squad for a reason. Because they got the long reach, they play physical, they're going to play that game, not just their own zone, they're going to also play it even if they're forechecking on offense to gain the puck back. And we saw that throughout the whole game from not just the top pairing line, we saw that from uh, Yarosh's line, and we even saw Colton White, you know, for a good extent, handle their own zones, which was better than last year's, but still, you know, the last bits of the game, you know, when it came down to the 6v5, 
Uh, Lankinen got pulled twice, and, you know, one of those goals, uh, Chicago got lucky because it got off of uh, Tyler Johnson's uniform and right over to Kirby Dot to tap it in, which you can't really, you know, cover. No, and, you know, like I said, I, I think the main issue that I'm looking at for the New Jersey Devils is that they didn't really take advantage of their power play opportunities. Like, I literally sent out a tweet. <laughs> saying, like, sometimes I forgot that they had the man-up advantage. And uh, sometimes, you know, things like that uh, happen. With And, you know, like I said, it wasn't the cleanest game, wasn't the smoothest game, but we got it done. And I, I think that's uh, what, what we need to uh, look at. And, yes, yeah, some of those, were, were, especially a play you just described, wasn't a fluke goal. Yeah, but at the same time, like I said, it's opening night. Things like that are going to happen. Um, and I, just – from an overall standpoint, I'm really satisfied with what the New Jersey Devils did. I I I I think um, at one point Heizer's line was playing the best out there. They were asserting themselves early on, and then Jack Hughes showed everyone why you know he's all the hype I guess around New Jersey. Um, Andreas Janssen, people were hating on him, saying like they should trade him right away because I was seeing it on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter. Well, but- I did see a little bit of negativity against. Uh, Andreas Janssen a little bit, but I think some people need to learn to, you know, settle down a little bit. You know, I know that's not a real thing in New Jersey, but it's starting to, you know, I guess become normal again with the way Ruff has things set up. And I think fans are feeling a little bit more confident than restless now. So I think they still are, you know, getting ready to enjoy the fruits of the uh, improved defense. And I think when they play against the Seattle Kraken, you know, they will be a little bit more tighter. But, you know, anytime you have, whether it's a Devils opener or any other team's opener, I'm playing the five and over on the Vigit app because that's what I'm betting on is teams having minimal five points in a game. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and like I said, it, it was just an entertaining game because I don't know about you, but I was on the uh, edge of my seat. Just, just uh, it's, But in the second period, the Devils kind of – it just looked like they couldn't go on the attack or anything. It, it just looked like the the uh, Blackhawks were pinching on them. It was just like, okay, uh, they, they can't get anything going. But, you know, I, I don't know what got a jolt in their step. Maybe it was because they blew a two-goal lead in the third period, but um, overall, like you just said, it's going to take time. It's going to take patience. And I'm not worried about the Seattle Kraken at all, because let's face it, all hype aside, all media aside, all the attention they've been getting uh, recently, they're not really the best team out there. They're not a team you fear, but is that fair to say? I mean, let me put it this way. I mean, they still got plenty of guys that you should be looking out for. Like, you know, Jamie Oleksiak on defense. You got former devil Adam Larson. And if Marcus Johansson stays healthy, he can get clicking. And uh, what's his name? Um, Jake McCabe. You know, he's one of those guys that, you know, he's starting to make a name for himself in Seattle. And he's starting to really be someone that can try and establish himself on a team that's becoming a more respected brand and I think the Devils can handle Seattle on Tuesday but you look at Chicago Chicago has more firepower than Seattle does at this time but anything can change over this endemic right but like I said let's let's go back to the Blackhawks game what were your like um we we know what my initial thoughts were coming into the game, but what were your initial thoughts? I'm curious to know. My initial thoughts was it's going to be a high-scoring game. A lot of these young guys are going to have jitters going through their fingers. And after the – I was thinking through the first couple minutes, they're they're going to let the lead out and, you know, there's going to be a lot of hitting. And I expect that because, you know, I've seen the Blackhawks defense in the past couple years with – you know, some edginess, and they played the Devils in a couple of barn burners. And this one was a little bit tighter than that, but it was more thriller. But 
I didn't really expect it to go past the third period, so I was partially wrong. Well, we we, we already heard my wrong predictions, but um, which player surprised you the most? I know there's a couple players you could choose from, but I, I want to say besides Jack Hughes, who's a player that uh, kind of, uh, you know, just made you jump out of your seat was just like, wow, we really got him on our team. I, I probably already know the answer, but curious to know. Uh, for me, it's a defenseman, and I know we got him via trade, and most people were like, this guy's an AHLer, but it's for me, it's Christian Yarosh. Uh, to me, that big presence on defense, you know, keeping a lot of the Blackhawks guys outside of the uh, perimeter of the crease for uh, Bernier, to me, made a lot of the uh, pressure for Dougie Hamilton and Ryan Graves a lot easier, you know, playing against, you know, those next top two lines. So for me, Yarosh being a physical guy, like, you know, if you think you're going to have a fun field day, you're not really going to have a fun field day at all. He's going to push you around and make you have a living hell. You know, it's funny because I've talked about Yarosh on my uh, show before, and it, it was actually in a negative way because I was watching the preseason game against the Rangers, and I felt like he kind of played out of position at times. I felt like he kind of like left like someone like Ryan Graves out to dry because it's like Ryan Graves comes up and, and, and then – he, he just lets someone like Adam Fox go like backdoor or, or, or something like that. So um, I, I think like, like I said, preseason is good for these young guys just so that they can like, you know, work on what they need to work on. Cause I guarantee you, Lindy Ruff took him into the film room, sat him down is like, here's how you're out of position. Because I, what I was seeing was I was seeing a connection between two Rangers players. I, I forget who they were specifically, but, uh, they, but I, I was just seeing Yaros just play out of position and, Overall, he lets the puck go go past him and they go back door or whatever the case might be. So I had my concerns about Yarosh, uh, I'll be honest. But like you said, he fits the mold for a Devils defenseman perfectly. That's what we're looking for. That's what we need. And do you think, um, because remember, we're, we're missing Ty Smith and we're missing Damon Severson. Do you think Yarosh uh, sticks around with the Devils organization or is it just – I would say this, the the first person you'd move if Yarosh keeps doing the, the things he does is Mason Gertzen goes down to Utica to make way. So I would like to think that Severson makes way uh, coming back when you move Gertzen and then you'd have to move Colton White down and then you'd have to make way for Ty Smith. So those are the first two guys that I think of right off the top of my head, but I'm sure Tom Fitzgerald knows otherwise. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we just have a lot of young guys because the thing is, here's what, here's what we're going to be rolling with most games. It's obviously going to be Dougie Hamilton, Ryan Graves. Then we got Ty Smith and Damon Severson, which by the way, uh, news for any of you uh, Devils fans listening, which is pretty much all of you. The good news for you guys is that, um, uh, Ty Smith and Damon Severson were reported to have been skating on their own at morning skate. So they should be good to go. I don't have an update on Miles Wood. I think he'll get back to skating on his own in, uh, momentarily, but I don't, I don't know what the time period is like for him. Uh, we got Mackenzie Blackwood still recovering from his heel uh, surgery. So he's just trying to take his time uh, mm-hmm. before he gets back onto the rink for an official game because we've seen him in preseason, but um yeah, I, I wanted to ask you this, uh, Joe. Where did you get the nickname Sasquatch uh, Squad? Because that's actually very interesting. And quite honestly, it's kind of hard to say at times, Sasquatch Squad. Well, first off, I mean, I told Neil Villapiano this on uh, Double State of Mind. I When I first saw, you know, ads for uh, Jackling's beef, beef Jerky, you know, people always try to mess with Sasquatch. And they think they can have a fun field day with him. But he either throws a snake into someone's RV and or they think they could throw um, maybe a nice little, uh, what was it, a Frisbee on him with uh, honey on him. And then you start messing with him and then he starts throwing a boulder at you and he starts throwing you around the woods. And to me, when I kept seeing Fitzgerald over the years adding more physical 
big boys through the draft and then acquiring guys via trade and signing guys this past off season, I'm like, we're starting to look more like Sasquatches and they're big, they're physical, they're feisty. They they're tough motherfuckers. I mean, how do I put this else? I mean, the, the true meaning of a New Jersey devil is to be more like a Sasquatch on defense. You got to be ruthless and you can't allow people to push you around and you got, you got to be physical, but you got to do it the right way. And there was a lot of hitting and the Sasquatch squad was there blocking shots as well. I'd say for the devils, um, they got to be, um, they, they got to have better puck control because they had uh, 18 giveaways, whereas the Blackhawks had nine. So I know it's the first game and I know, you, you got to handle the puck a little bit better, but you know, that, that, that's just the one thing I think they need to focus on, which is just giveaways. But um, going back to what you said, I love that. I love that, by the way, just, just, <laughs> I think that it's unique. It's hard to say Sasquatch squad, Sasquatch squad for anyone. It, try saying it 10 times fast. It's, it's not, it's not easy, but I, I, I like the uniqueness, but it kind of, le- but, Going back to what I just said momentarily, it kind of leads to my next question. What are some of the disappointing factors? Obviously, we know the penalty kill was not really the best, and the power play uh, opportunities were not the best either. I think both of them came in period number two, if I recall correctly. But what, what were some of the disappointing aspects of the game? My disappointing ones was Dawson Mercer leaving up his stick a little too high and drawing blood on that four-minute minor, but he did redeem himself. So, I mean, he got that assist, his first career point. So, I'll give that to him. So, that's a mixed blessing. Now, I wish there was more of a finishing touch with Andreas Janssen earlier in the game and maybe a couple more from a couple other guys like Tatar. But um, I think eventually in a month or two, we will see guys like Holtz come up and you'll see more finishers uh, finish up those kinds of plays that would have been buried. I still believe Holtz should have. Um, I, I think he should have made the team originally. Like I, I get that uh, what, what uh, Tom Fitzgerald and Lindy Ruff were saying, which was they wanted to give him more power play opportunities and they wanted him to be a top six guy. But the way I see it, our top six is already set. So what is he only going to come up when, um, when when someone is injured? I want to give him a chance. Let him play on the third line. Like you know, it, 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 he won't win like the Calder Memorial Trophy. He's playing on the third line, and we, we don't need him to win the Hart Memorial Trophy either. I just want him to make some sort of impact for this roster because I believe he's ready. So, what, what was your reaction to our final like twenty-three uh, man roster? Obviously, we still have some players down. So, like I said, Blackwood is out, Severson is out, Smith is out, um, Wood is out, and Tyce Thompson got removed from the injured reserves list earlier today, but he got sent down to Utica as soon soon afterwards. Like, for me, I don't put a whole lot of stock into the first roster. For me, it has to do with the midway point. You know, that's where I most worry about it when – You look between American Thanksgiving and March trade deadline. That's when you need to worry about the roster a whole lot more because when you're in the top eight in the East, that's when that really matters. And I would like to see uh, Alexander Holtz and maybe if Nolan Foote's ready by that time and, you know, let's say there's a player's injured or some guy goes through a protocol, you know, it's good to have those options. You you don't want to – rush decisions and you know not have to um like rush a guy so it's good to have these conundrums these internal conundrums rather than not have many options yeah like i said i'm trying to i i kept my expectations moderate and i said if i had to choose between mercer and holtz i said i was choosing mercer which at the time was kind of a hot take but i just said due to mercer's high uh, hockey IQ, excuse me. It, 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 I, I just felt as though that's something you cannot teach. Whereas for Holtz, he has a he has a sniper on him. Don't get me wrong, but some of the plays I was seeing Mercer make, like for example, some of the uh, takeaways that he was doing, uh, he was able to score a goal in one preseason game in which like three uh, 
players for the Washington Capitals were swarming in on him and he was able to get right past them and then score the goal. And, and, and he could have just elected to dump the puck and then go for a line change. But I, I just love his high hockey IQ, if, if that makes sense. Yes. I mean, when you talk about players' intelligence, I mean, you raise a different awareness in uh, how you can create an, another play ahead of the play. So I know this is a Wayne Gretzky thing, but he said a good hockey player goes where the puck is. An excellent hockey player goes where the puck will be. And, you know, when he sees, I mean, Mercer, of course, he sees the play like, you know, strips JT Miller, you know, not JT Miller, Keandre Miller, sorry, I'm screwing my Millers. And, you know, you strip the puck loose, you get as much room as you can, you try and finish the play. And when you do finish the play, it's a, it's a good thing to have because it's a confidence builder. Now, I look forward to see Mercer just getting a little bit hotter and, you know, make people more excited to see him. You know, he's a he's going to be a potential Selkie Trophy candidate along with Nico and Jack. Don't be surprised. Has the best chance of winning a, a Selkie, quite honestly. Um, and – you know, maybe him being on the top line, maybe that's what Lindy Ruff saw out of him. But um, we're just going to have to wait and see. So for all of my shows towards towards like the end of my like reactions, I always give the game a, a grade. So what would you give uh, this this uh, win for the New Jersey Devils? Like, what would you grade it? I would say, well, if it weren't for the, the six ver- versus five, I probably would have gone with an A minus. To me, this was like a B plus because I find it was a little bit of a letdown on the six v five. But really, to me, it was a B plus effort because you got the two points, but in overtime. Yeah, I, I think for me, I'm going to. I, I won't be as generous. I'm going to give it a B minus. No, you know what? Scratch that. I'm going to give it a B. The reason for this is because it's the first game of the year. And, and you know, like I said, you're going to make mistakes. Not everything is going to come into full fruition. And by the way, while we were on the topic of Dawson Mercer, congratulations for officially now joining the NHL. He got an assist this game uh, on the Andreas Janssen goal. So welcome to the big leagues, kid. Now, uh, back to what I was saying. Um, solid B for the New Jersey Devils because it was an exciting game. It seemed like they didn't skip a beat in terms of offense. I saw Dougie Hamilton make an impact. Ryan Gray's make an impact. Jack Hughes. Uh, I told him I wanted Jack Hughes on that top line to begin the season just because I wanted him, Sharon Govich, and Quokinen to assert themselves because I felt like with Jack Hughes, you're going to get that. But, you know, they got off to a slow start to begin the game, and people were saying, like, mm, Jack Hughes' line is kind of a letdown. But I was, but I was just like, wait, I, I, I see something in Jack Hughes just – I know people are going to call me crazy because I didn't predict it. I didn't speak it into existence or anything, but I was just like, I, I, I see something in Jack Hughes, which is why I wanted him to play on the top line. But, you know, but the fact that he was able to have two goals, get the game winning goal is amazing. I, I think the only issue that I have personally, and not, I'm, I don't want to piggyback off you or anything. So I'll provide some, something different. Um, the penalty kill. What, needs to be improved. The power play needs to be improved. So specialty teams all around needs to be improved. Uh, we need to clean things up. Like I said, the giveaways are kind of a concern. The fact that we almost doubled our giveaways compared to the Blackhawks is, you know, kind of something you kind of need to work on in practice. But like I said, first game of the year, uh, I'll give it a B. Wasn't the perfect game, but at the same time, very good game for, for, an, op- for an opener. And we finally win the opening game of the year. And I think it's been a few years since we've done so. Yeah. I mean, I remember I was at a devil's Blackhawks game and I remember it was Mackenzie Blackwood was in net and uh, former goaltender. What was it? I think it was Curtis McElhaney or someone or someone who just recently retired from the Blackhawks. Uh, that day was in net. And I remember Votnin had a slap shot of a bomb on the power play. But, I mean, we talk about Jack Hughes with those two goals. I actually 
have him modeled between 16 and 25 goals this year. So he already has two out of the 16 and two out of the 25. And I have him on pace to get 73 points. Oh, oh it's funny you said that because a couple episodes ago, I did a hot take because I was reacting to some fantasy um, hockey websites saying how many points uh, Jack Hughes was projected to get. They said around like, I think, uh, 60 something points. Uh, and I was just like, no, he, I think Jack Hughes could get anywhere from 70 to 75. Now I wasn't sure if that was a hot take or not. I think people in New Jersey believe that, but I don't think people outside of New Jersey believe that. So I, I actually said that a, a couple episodes ago, I said, Jack Hughes can get 70 to 75 points this season if all goes well. And, but the thing is Quokinen and Sharon Govich have to help them out in terms of converting their shots into goals. But if anyone could get the most out of them, it's Jack Hughes. And also, I don't know if you knew this or not, Jack Hughes last season was actually tops in the NHL for, uh, you know, having his uh, puck, like, ring out of the post. Like, goes in yeah. and out of the post, doesn't, doesn't uh, score. I, I, think, I don't know if you noticed that or not, but it, it's, a, it's a stat. Yeah, it's a, so, like, a lot of those shots he had could have been goals. Unfortunately, just bad luck or wrong angle, whatever the case might be. So I was just like, okay. Jack Hughes can get 70 to 75 points. I know that's probably a hot take for some, but for me, I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely believe that. Well, this is how I did it. So, like, Jack is on – like, he was on pace last year for 45. And you add the tw- – you, you divide the takeaways in half. So, I added 28, and then I made it 73. So just think about that in a perfect world. That's where I kind of got that idea. So that's where I left it off. And I actually gave a bunch of other players uh, similar models. And I have to target getting 57 points because if he gets a minimal of eight takeaways converted into points, you know, instead of getting 49, he's getting 57. Tatar should be in the top six, quite honestly. I, 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 I thought when we signed him, he was supposed to be that top six guy for us. Um, I honestly believe that Tatar should be in the top six because I think we're underestimating what he could potentially do because he led the Montreal Canadiens in scoring just a couple years ago. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he push, he pushes the envelope on Lindy Ruff and Lindy Ruff can't just keep him on the same line. No, he, he can't. And the thing is, it's like we're rocking the same top six with the exception of just flipping our first and second line. We're literally rocking with the same top six that we had last season. And I'm just like, we had potential to switch it up a little bit with Alexander Holtz, Thomas Tatar. But yet we're sticking to what we already know. Now, Miles Wood is out and that's kind of a, a factor as well. But still, it's just like I, I kind of expected a little more from us in terms of just forming our uh, proper line because I said my prediction was Miles Wood, Alexander Holtz, and Dawson Mercer on the third line. Then fourth line, you, you get like Janssen, you get McLeod, and then um, you, you, you then uh, I guess like uh, I, I, I just said it was like a toss-up for the bottom six. Like you could put – you can insert Quoken in somewhere. But I mm. just said I, I, I think Alexander Holtz deserved a, a chance, and I – I forget what my real prediction was, but that was that was somewhere in that ballpark, which was the top line would be Jack Hughes, Sharon Govich, um, and then uh, Tatar. Or I said if Tatar – during the summer, I said Tatar should be paired with Nico Heizer and Jesper Brat, just because, you know, <laughs> Brat and Heizer are good two-way players and Tatar's defense is a little bit of a question mark. So I said, like, if you want to put Tatar in the top six, maybe – assign him with uh, Heizer. But once uh, Lindy Ruff said that Zaka was going to be reunited with Heizer and, um, and, and also uh, brought, I was just like, okay, you know, you know, I, I guess you could put him with Jack Hughes and Sharon Govich. I, I knew it was a long shot, but I just said, I, I think we got Tatar to be a top six guy. I was just like, okay, we could have had potential to do something special, but I don't know. Because I, I, my, my question was, can Yanni Kwokinen produce without Sharon Govich and Hughes? Because we know Sharon Govich and Hughes can produce without him. Because some players tend to feed off certain centers. And that's usually a pro and a con, depending on 
who you gel with the best. And that's usually sometimes the problem. Like Janssen was a battery mate with uh, Austin Matthews in Toronto. And he was clicking with him. But once he left to go to New Jersey last year during the first part of COVID, he just he just never really clicked all that much. But he scored like, what, 11 points in 55 games? It was something like that. I don't even want to look it up because it's going to make me mad, quite honestly. But, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I was actually talking to one of my colleagues who works at Locked On Leash, and he said, you know, what, what do you expect out of Janssen? I was like, okay, he's not – his numbers are anywhere from solid to mediocre, depending on how you look at it. But I just feel like, you know, I said once New Jersey got him, I said, you know, that could be a diamond in the rough. Maybe he couldn't prove whatever the case might be. Nope, not at all. But I said Janssen deserves a chance for at least half a season. And if he's not producing by the trade deadline, then try to ship him out somewhere. I mean, he's already one goal into getting eight goals already out of the minimal 30 points I have due to the fact that if he converts on the takeaways, he could be getting 30 instead of 18. So... I mean, you can look at it that way, but um, you definitely make way for Holtz that way, or you might move Jesper Bolkvist in the trade. Bolkvist has to go. I I do not like him. He's just taking up space. I said it's a good thing we're able to send him down without any repercussion because I I looked at his contract, so he's able to be sent down, and that's exactly where we sent him. That's where he belongs. He needs to go. He's just not producing. I don't know why we continue to have him. He seems to be just taking up space. I, I, I don't like him at all. I, I think the Devils will find the right suitor for him. And I think what they'll do is they'll look for a guy who can be more of a power play guy. And they'll get they'll get someone in exchange for him or something like that. They're, the Devils aren't going to go for futures or anymore. They're, they're going for the real deal. They're going to get you know players to make them contenders. They're not going to be pretenders this year. That's what I'm sensing. And I know Fitzgerald wants to go all in, just like he's at the betting table. Like I was saying, uh, the Devils has a few missed calls and some really good heads-up plays early in the game. Um what did you think of those sprawling saves and the Sasquatch slot or uh, the defense to uh, bail out Bernier and Bernier bailed out the, the defense? Well, I said it in my show, I, I actually picked Jonathan Bernier to be the star of the game. Like, because I just said, like, I expect Bernier to do what Mackenzie Blackwood uh, did for the New Jersey Devils to begin the year, which is basically, even though he's a goalie, He's our best defenseman because I expected for the Devils to be somewhat rusty because we have to move Siegenthaler and Subban up to the second line. And then, you know, we, we got Hamilton and Graves, but at the same time, they can't play every single moment. So, so, but I said their main priority is that they have to lead the defensive unit. You're probably thinking, yeah, no duh, they have to lead them. But at the same time, it's just like, keep in mind, Ty Smith is out, all rookie team, Damon Severson out. And he's our main, um, he's one of our main leaders. So um, what I thought about Jonathan Bernier making those saves, I was just like, I I said in my show, and again, I will put up my right hand and admit when I'm wrong, even though I projected for him to be, uh, you know, our main star, I said, don't expect him to make, you know, spectacular saves or anything. Just, you know, but I was wrong. I, I was, I was wrong. And, um, as for the defense, what, what more can I say about Ryan Graves and Dougie Hamilton? But I can say this, and I'm not sure if you knew this or not. Their Corsi four percentage was 75 for Dougie Hamilton, and Ryan Graves' this was about 74%. You know, so, you, ju- you just confirmed what your colleague Alex Chauncey once uh, tweeted uh, with the pictures on Twitter. Wow. Wow, I guess great minds think alike. Yes. But, but I, um, 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was saying, like, I noticed uh, on the eye test that when Hamilton and Graves both got the puck, they had the puck at an average of at least 60% of the time, but they had it three quarters of the time. And Dougie with the one goal out of three shots, that's that's 33% of the time that he can score on any of those shots. And, and you know what Lindy Ruff was saying at the beginning of the year or what, what he was saying like during practice and also what he was seeing, he saw that Dougie Hamilton went, you know, when uh, – he had the puck, he would clear it with ease. And that was the thing that the New Jersey Devils needed to work on, which was it didn't seem they knew how to clear the puck last year. And I actually talked to Bryce Salvador. I'm not sure if you listened to that. I heard uh, that. And I'm not sure if you listened to that interview or not, but uh, Bryce episode Salvador. 300. I, episode 300, baby. And I'm still going. I still can't <laughs> believe I've, I've done. I still can't believe I've done 300 episodes, but anyway, um, Bryce Salvador actually confirmed my eye test, which was, you know, the Devils were, uh, I believe, third from the bottom in terms of just dumping the puck or clearing it out of the zone. So I'm not crazy. Like, they, they needed to work on clearing the puck. And with Dougie Hamilton out there, he certainly knows how to uh, assert himself. He asserted himself within the first 15 seconds. And then for Ryan Graves, you know, the thing is, Ryan Graves is so slept on. Like, people don't know how great he is. Did you know that he led the uh, league in plus minus just a couple seasons ago? I'm did, not did surprised. You know? I'm not surprised, but I'm glad you confirmed something that I was just thinking about because he's such a he's such a heavy hitter, and he knows how to like help his team. You know, increase the odds of scoring. So it does it does confirm that. Um, what I noticed is that when I looked at Ryan Graves, Jimmy VC, Dougie Hamilton, there's one thing that they have in common. Their goals above replacement and expected are more than high above average. It's pretty high. And then if you look at um, the penalties and the penalty kill part of it, they both are off the charts when it comes to that. If you look at evolving hockey. Yeah, so – just, just that, that's what I need from Ryan Graves. I don't care about like the scoring numbers. That's just like, as, as his fan page would say, that's just gravy on, on potatoes kind of thing. Like, cause you know, he, <laughs> he, has, he, has, a, he, has, a, he has a very popular uh, fan page that everyone should follow who's listening to this. But um, you know, that, that's just like gravy on the potatoes in terms of his scoring. I'm more concerned about, I thought I'd never say this, but more of just the other minuscule stuff that we don't even notice. Like, like the plus minus the defensive shares like that same season that he led the league in plus minus he also led the league in defensive shares so um and, and people just said the reason he's good is just because he was with uh, a very good defensive minded organization the Colorado Avalanche but i was just like if graves can if graves is able to transfer what he was able to do in Colorado to New Jersey then guess what? We, we just got a diamond in the rough, and all we had to give up was what? Maltsev for him? Maltsev and a third. That's all? That's it? And, and we got our top uh, defensive guy? Well, then again, I, I it, since the expansion draft was that summer, I guess the um, Colorado Avalanche didn't really have much options just because, you know, they you had to protect the player, and unfortunately just with the great defenseman they had, they would have been forced to expose uh, Graves in the draft. They would have lost for nothing. Well, then again, the Kraken were drafting pretty, how would I say this politely, just questionable, I, I guess, is a polite way to say it. Just, just I was like, wait, wait a minute, you're going with this player? Uh, okay. Um, uh, okay. Like, they passed on Subban as well. I was just like, huh. You would think they would want someone like Subban on their organization because, you know, Subban could give you a lot of press, but uh, okay. I guess they just didn't want to break the bank similar to what the Vegas Golden Knights have done. But, you know, going back to Ryan Graves, Ryan Graves is just so heavily slept on. And I, I hope that, you know, if people don't know who he is now, they know who he is. Because like I said earlier in the show, um, at one point the Devils were leading three to one and he and Dougie Hamilton both had a plus minus of plus three. So, uh, if Ryan Graves is able to keep that up and just rely on, 
Dougie Hamilton to do scoring similar to what uh, tonight's situation was in terms of just, you know, Hamilton scores and then uh, Ryan Graves is the, the passer, then Ryan Graves' numbers are going to be through the roof. And same with Dougie Hamilton. So I'm excited to see what they do. So that's my opinion on the Sasquatch squad and the fact that they were able to, especially in the second period when I was watching it, so in, in, intensely just like, oh, 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 no, no, no. They're about to score. They're about to score. Okay, they got out of the crease. They got out of the crease. Okay, uh, dip it on back. Come on. Or or clear it. You know, that kind of thing. So, you know, I that that's not the New Jersey Devils I know. That's not the Devils I knew in recent years, which is that – They'll get, you know, they'll get burned on those kind of possessions. But the fact that Jonathan Bernier had the defenseman's back and the fact that the defenseman had Jonathan Bernier's back, pretty impressive, if, if, if I might add. Like, for me, seeing the Sasquatch squad, you know, come into their own, like, they were able to, like you said, clear out the puck sooner than last year's squad. And for me, they were able to energize the fans as, as well. And they were feeding off the – the crowd like during the whole entire game. And, you know, I think the more that they embrace this fan base, the more excited and more motivated they are going to perform. And it's only a matter of time when the NHL is like, the Devils are in fourth place. They're in third place. They're pushing for an actual playoff spot. Is this going to be for real? I'd rather have that kind of press than like last year where, you know, everything was gone down the pipes. You know, I, I, I said this in my show many times, uh, Joe, I feel as though the Devils can be a dark horse team, like to, to possibly make a wild card position. Uh, it's going to be hard for them to clinch a playoff spot, but I think they'll, I think they could do it. I I have a funny feeling like I'm looking at the older teams like the Penguins and then you look at the Islanders have a couple of questionable moves with, you know, extending, you know, Pulak. I know is going to be 36 by the end of that contract, but like looking at Chara at 44 and you have Green, what if those two guys go down with injury? Are those guys in the pipeline going to fill in and – if they do, then how are they going to perform? And wouldn't that affect the Islanders' chances of making the playoffs being a win-now team? And wouldn't that help the Devils' case along with Carolina losing Hamilton? Hmm. What about hey, Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh is getting older, and it seems like they're on the decline. However, they're, they're not, like, in a nosedive. They're, they're kind of steadily, you know, going down because they're getting older. But, you know, that's the case for a lot of teams. Um I don't think I, it would be very hard for us to be better than the Penguins. Uh, I, I just don't see it this year. Could be possible, but I, I, I just don't see it this year, quite honestly. I really don't. And Carolina, still a team you respect. Not It's not a team that you fear. Like I said, too early to tell. We need to see like who are the for sure for sures or who are the complete duds. But I just think it's just a little too early to, to tell right now. And I don't really want to just say, okay, the Devils could be better than that, than that, or, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, so we could be better than the, the Blue Jackets. We could be better than uh, the, the Flyers, in my opinion. Um, but it's just like some of these teams, I'm just looking like, like the Rangers, for example. It's just like the Rangers are kind of like us. They're young, and the Rangers went to the playoffs last year. No, no, they didn't. They were they, they were fell creeping short. on in. They fell short. Excuse me. Yeah, they fell short, but they were they they, they were competing for one. Like we didn't we kind of helped their chances because we lost like what four games in a row to them at one yeah, point. Yeah, we did. We gave, and we gave Shashurskin his uh, two only two career uh, shoutouts to begin his to begin his uh, his NHL career. So that was kind of embarrassing. But uh, just man, or what are the Flyers going to do? Just, just that kind of thing. I, I honestly think, you know, the Flyers are stuck between Martin Jones and Carter Hart, and I think Carter Hart is going to try his best to steal back his season from last year. So it's going to be like he's going to be motivated, but will he come back like Mackenzie Blackwood looking for an on average of 25 wins and whatnot? And I don't think – uh, about Philadelphia being that good of a defense with Rasmus Ristolainen and Ryan Ellis. And Ellis is not going to get any younger. 
and Ristolainen's still a shaky defenseman and his goals above replacement and his defensive numbers just don't really show it. I don't know what the uh, the Flyers were doing trading for Ristolainen, especially their 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 first round selection. Like they had the, like what the thirteenth or fourteenth overall pick. Why yeah. would they trade that for Ristolainen? Ristolainen's been on the Sabers for a few years for a reason because the Sabers didn't know how to get rid of him. And, and I, like I and the Devils were rumored to be interested in him, and I was just like, you trade if you're going to trade Ristolainen. You better just be giving up a second or a third round pick. Anything else, I I just stay away. Yeah, I if I was the Flyers, I would have je- I would have gotten Jesper Wallstedt easily. Oh man, I, but you know what? I'm not going to. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to fault their mistakes. I'm not going to question it. I'll, I'll let them be stupid. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm definitely not. Gonna, I'm not questioning. I'm just saying, like, if I was the GM, I, I don't think I would make that move. They're not not I, is he really worth a 13th overall pick? Is he worth that? No. I mean, his power play numbers are pretty good, but his five on five is a big question mark, in my opinion. He's just a power play specialist. Well. Speaking of power play, we need to get better in the power play, but I don't think uh, Rasmus Ristolainen would have been our answer, quite no. honestly. I, I, that's why I, I believe in Alexander Holtz coming up when he does, and I believe they will have that guy, you know, uh, rattling off pucks like left and right. So, I mean, with that being said, I'm not sure uh, if you think there's another prospect in the pipeline that could but who do you think has that chance to, you know, be a difference maker on the power play? Okay. Um, oof, this is a tough one. So I'm looking at two guys, Nolan Foote and um, Riley Walsh. What about Graham Clark? Graham Clark, uh, I'm just not impressed, okay? I just don't see anything. like. Um, you know, yes, he's the older brother of Brant, but you know, I, I don't know. I, he's just, I, I, I'm not really seeing anything right now. I, I, I think if he hasn't been given his chance already, I think he's going to at some point this year, but quite honestly, the, the two projects I'm looking at are Riley Walsh and Nolan foot mm. in, in my opinion. Now, the reason for Nolan Foote is like the reason why he's starting off in Utica was just unfortunately no one anticipated for Dawson Mercer to be doing what he's doing. No one anticipated for Alexander Holtz to be doing what he's doing. Like we knew they would get their NHL chance, but we were just like, okay, you know what? They won't really do anything. Training camp, preseason, whatever the case might be. We'll send them down to Utica. They're going to do well. Then we're going to bring them up and Nolan Foote's going to be on like the fourth line or something. That was my first prediction when training camp begun. Hmm. So but, um, once Dawson Mercer and Alexander Holtz caught fire, I was just like, Nolan Foote might be in trouble. But let's not forget, during the prospects camp, um, I believe it was against either the Bruins or the Sabres, Holtz, Mercer, and Foote all combined for seven points in one game, and they were playing on the same top line. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, maybe at the midway point of the season – that that line gets re- rekindled. I'd say I, I agree with you. I'd say in my show too, I was just like, you know, if you're playing against a lowly team like the Sabres or uh, maybe the Red Wings or the Senators or something like that, a, another young team, by all means, put those guys together and just see how it goes. Because, you know, they'll, they'll be essentially playing against their peers, in my opinion. But... Well, and I think later in the season, you know, when they get ready to have certain players go to the Olympic teams, you want to have a couple guys be ready to take those spots. Um, if one of those guys is not ready to come back, you know, because of the tournament. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's definitely going to be a huge question mark, but I personally am all for it. It's going to happen. I guarantee it. I'm saying it. I am speaking into existence right now. 
Nolan Foote, Dawson Mercer, and Alexander Holtz will all be reunited on a bottom six line when the opportunity presents itself. When we're going up against another young team that doesn't really scare us, and let's just let, let's just run it. We'll, you know, I'm curious to see how that would turn out, quite honestly. And so what are some things that you want to wrap up on um, with tonight's uh, podcast? It'll be on your uh, post-game show um later on this week um my reaction um and my overall just wrap up is this the devils we can do great things however we cannot take a night off okay we're in a tough division we're in the metropolitan division and if we want a wild card spot only only two two teams can get it as in like the, the next top team, like the, the team with the two highest points that didn't clinch a spot. So my, my thing is, is like, you know, if, if we want to be that team to, to uh, get a wild card spot, all needs to go right. No nights off. We got to win the games that we got to win. You know, there's some teams that they're going to overpower us and that's okay. But if we want to do something special, we need to stay consistent. We need to stay healthy. And on specialty teams, get your act together. Can't reiterate that enough. Get it together. Or as we say, get your shit together. That too. That that that. He, I was trying to be nice about it, but <laughs> what, Joe, what Joe said, absolutely right. Get your shit together, because if if you if you screw up, I can't tell you how many times last year, Joe, where. Um, specialty teams just shot us in the foot. Like we had a chance to win, but we blew it. I couldn't tell you the amount of times I've seen where we could have cleared the puck and gotten out of situations, but we did it. But, but for some reason, i I feel more like the happy Rodney Dangerfield where he's like, Hey, everybody, we're all going to get, you know what? And now I've, that's how I feel after tonight's win. But um, last year was like, Oh, to hell with it. I felt like we had a better chance just due to COVID and just how the, how we were like in the, uh, uh, we were in the uh, Eastern division, just like, I was like, okay, I think we have a chance just based on how things are changing up. There was obviously no wild card team, but I was just like, okay, okay, let's um, just see how this goes. And unfortunately we, we, we got off to a pretty decent start, but we just couldn't finish. So if we want to be, so, if we want to be uh, one of those teams from the Metropolitan Division to get the get the wild card spot along with another uh, Atlantic Division team, then we, we really got to we, we can't take any nights off. Like there, there's no excuses. And so when you say nights off, we got to turn on the turn off the lights eventually. Was that a joke to the uh, Islanders uh, game? Yeah, the one that. <laughs> They they got overpowered by Carolina the other night. <laughs> I I still can't believe that happened. We couldn't play a game to a to a power outage. Just just when I thought I saw everything. <laughs> well, so someone said Lou did something about it. Well, Lou loves the New Jersey Devils. That's why he ch- constantly trades for them every single year. Like Andy Green, Corey Schneider, Travis Zajac, Kyle Paul Mary. I know I'm forgetting someone, but still, you know, uh, he loves. He um, loves his New Jersey Devils. Yeah, I, 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 I do miss Travis Zajac a little bit, but I'm glad he's, you know, one of the alumni now because it's good to have a former hockey mind around you whenever you can. Yep, and I'm glad he's going to be in the organization and just, um, and, and just help out the young guys. But overall, just reiterate my final points. Um, for the Devils, just keep it together, um, you know, get specialty teams down, watch film, listen to the veteran players and know your strengths, know your weaknesses. And just, you know, we're, we're a good team. And know your now enemies. It's time, know your enemies too. Now it's just time to combine it all together. And eventually it'll be a nice pork roll, egg and cheese sandwich for all our listeners in New Jersey. Or if you're in Michigan, you probably like to have your your cheese curds and whatnot. 
Uh, I prefer a Coney dog in Detroit, but you know, that, that, works. <laughs> that works too. That works too. I, I'm in Michigan for school. That's why. The, if anybody didn't get that. Yeah. I, I had to make a Midwestern reference, but not, nah, not nah, I'll, I'll get a Coney dog. I'll have to try and get one, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's great that we, uh, touch on all these, uh, subjects and all in one night and, for any of you listening, um, I'm over here on Heads Up Hockey. Um, you can also find me on OvertimeHeroicsHockey.net. Once again, thank you to Jersey Joe for hopping on and just having this overall open hockey discussion about the Devils and giving his reactions from the first game of the year. So game one is in the books. We still have 81 more games to go. Uh, we have a lot of teams to discuss with. I'm looking forward to it because when I took over Locked On, it was July 2020. That's obviously during the midst of the pandemic. And uh, last year, the NHL had to change up uh, the scheduling due to everything that was going on. So I haven't had the opportunity to do crossover with some of the other Locked On teams in the NHL. So I'm really looking forward to this season. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be talking to Erica Ayala from Locked On Kraken, and we're going to be giving our thoughts of prior to uh, the puck drop between the Devils and the Kraken. Also, really looking forward to seeing those Kraken uniforms. They look really nice. It's nice to see that ESPN is back with hockey and just giving them all this coverage. I'm really looking forward to this season, and I think this is the most excited I've been for an NHL season in a good while. So, uh, as for today, that's all the time I have for you guys today. Thanks for listening. Continue to stay safe and have a wonderful day, New Jersey. I will catch you guys in the next episode. Go Devils, and thanks for listening.